So welcome back again to another edition of Come and See Inspirations. Again, it's coming to you from uh, the County Lermick in Ireland. And each week we reflect with invited guests on various faith topics, both universal and, and local. And today on our programme, we have our own Shannon Bruce, who's going to share with us a reflection on Lent. Thanks, Shane. Where are you going to go with this? <laughs> I don't know, John. I'll tell you when I get to the end of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so on this week's program, obviously, we are going to, we are going to look at uh, a reflection on Lent. And obviously, of course, this Sunday is the first Sunday of Lent. And it's the opportunity for us to take a moment this morning and obviously following up as well on last Sunday's program where we had uh, a, a few thoughts from Father Luke McNamara from Glenstall who also uh, took us through some of the things about Lent. So there's a small degree of overlap. You know, there's only so many ways you can talk about Lent, after all. But before we do that, John, um, what we're going to start off with on this morning's second part of the program is we're actually going to start with the Sunday Gospel. So, John, if I could ask you if you could say the prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture, and then Lorraine is going to read the Gospel for us. Okay, Shane. So, the prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord, May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So our Gospel this morning is from the first chapter of the Gospel according to St. Mark, verses 12 to 15. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness, and he remained there for forty days and was tempted by Satan. He was with the wild beasts, and the angels looked after him. After John had been arrested, Jesus went into Galilee. There he proclaimed the good news from God. The time has come, he said, and the kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent and believe the good news. It's an extraordinarily short account of the temptations, Shane, isn't it, in Mark's Gospel? Yeah, unfortunately, and listeners will notice this over the next couple of months, when it comes to doing the Gospel reflections, um, it, Mark really does put it up to you, uh, puts it up to us on the programme, because it's very brief and very succinct, and he doesn't give you a whole lot there to kind of grapple with. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty blunt. So like, if you look at this morning's gospel, it's pretty much about six or seven lines. That's it. And, and in it, of course, it sums up uh, the, the reason or the tradition or, if you like, the idea that supports this preparation for Easter, which is this idea of 40 days of fasting. Um, 
it's the first Sunday of gospel. It's the first Sunday of Lent, rather, and it is the it is the traditional gospel that is presented on the first Sunday of Lent. Whichever gospel is being used for that particular year, the account of Jesus going into the desert and being tempted is the is the gospel that we hear. And Marx is very you know is very simple. It's Jesus was driven out into the desert after, or out into the wilderness. It's called after he was baptized in the Jordan by John. And we had the theophany and the voice of his father saying, this is my son, the beloved. So, you know, he's out into the wilderness. He's taken time out to understand what has happened to him and in preparation, obviously, for his public ministry. And he remained there for 40 days. And, of course, the great tradition around the 40 days is that it has a great resonance throughout the Old Testament. Now, we don't actually know whether or not Jesus stayed in the desert for 40 days. Uh, whether he fasted completely for 40 days was obviously that's quite trial but the point that's being made by the evangelists when they are recounting this event is of course the linkage and the idea back to the old testament when the, the people of god you know that the chosen people were brought out of slavery they were brought out of egypt across the desert to sinai and on to the promised land by god and they traveled in the desert for 40 years there's also, you know, that, that whole resonance of 40 was, all, was a, again and again, it comes, acro- it comes across uh, throughout the Old Testament in particular. For, it came up in terms of Noah, particular, you know, in the time in the ark after the flood, and all the way through. And here again, it's picked up. And the idea is it gives an idea of a long period of time, a period of preparation. And it's that idea, you know, during this time, Jesus was tempted by Satan. And obviously, as we know, Christ is like us in all things except sin. So, the, you know, as as Paul tells us, and it's 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 a remi- you know, it was something there in terms of you know the preparation that he was to be given for the challenges he was to face during his public ministry. Um, and he was with the wild beasts, but that the angels looked after him. And I think that's you know, it, again, it reminds us of that line from Scripture, you know, that the lamb will let sit uh, from the Psalms, where the lamb will sit down with the lion. Uh, and, and that idea that he was looked out, he was he was with the wild beasts. It's not that he was, you know, it, it just says he was with them. It doesn't say he was in fear of them. He says he was with them, which I think is an interesting thing. And it's a reminder to us that, and it links in very much again, I suppose, with the teachings of Pope Francis in the last couple of years, that this idea of communion with the earth and Laudato Si', that we need to reconnect with the wider environment. And it is that whole idea of reconnection which Lent presents for us. As Father Luke said last week, it presents us with an opportunity to link back within with ourselves, to link back in with our God, and to link back in with our wider community. Now, when I was you know, reflecting on this during the week and trying to see, well, where would we go with this and what would we talk about, there was two things that actually kept coming up again and again on my online feed, which I thought to myself, to myself now, oh, the Holy Spirit here is talking. And one of the first things that came up was this idea of letting Lent be God's. As you know, letting Lent belong to God and let God be God. And it's an interesting idea because sometimes, I suppose, for Catholics, what we do is we see Lent as a chance for new New Year's resolutions, if you like. You know, this opportunity where we're going to approach the traditional practices of prayer, almsgiving, and fasting, you know, in terms of what it can do to transform ourselves. 
And I suppose the question then, you know, maybe it should rather be with an eye to what God wants to do in order to transform uh, transform us rather than us transforming ourselves, if that's not too confusing for people. You know, too often Lent is kind of like that New Year's, New Year's resolution, you know, to give up a particular bad habit or to share more with the poor. But, you know, it's not about self-improvement. Lent is a time of conversion. It's that whole idea of metanoia, that term we've used again and again in the program, and it's that idea of turning back to God, and where, you know, God is in charge of our conversion, not us. And it's that idea of making space and allowing God to be God in our lives. And I suppose that's one of the challenges that Lent presents to us every year, is to make that space available. Now, people say to me, Shane, you know, grand, it's fine. Listen, I'm saying an extra prayer. I put money into my trucker box. I'm actually going to Mass on the Sunday tournament. Listen, what more can I do? But I suppose that's the whole challenge that's put out there in front of us. Because, you know, people often say, you know, if you go to a funeral, one of the most common um, readings that are at a funeral is that letter from Paul to Timothy. And you know that great line where it says, you know, I have run the race, I have fought the fight, and I will, I will now inherit the crown. I can't think of the exact quote, Lorraine, but you know the one I'm mm-hmm. talking about. I do, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's that whole idea. Christianity is not seen as something that's safe and, and uh, easy to do. If you go back to the fathers and mothers of the church, so these would have been the leaders of the Christian community after the apostles, particularly in the deserts of Egypt and in the deserts around the Holy Land. And again and again, the idea of Christianity is presented as a challenge, as something that's not easy to do. And that is something I think that we've kind of lost, particularly in an Irish context where kind of it was a societal thing where Christianity was kind of, we were supported by everybody else doing this, whether they believed it or not, but that was kind of the societal support that was there. And that's one of the great challenges that's presented to us in the modern world, where we no longer have that consensus in wider society. The idea to being a Christian today is very much a decision that a person has to make individually and then turn to God to support that prayer. So now in the society that we're in, more and more our prayer should be, God, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And Lent provides us with an opportunity where we can explore that and allow God to strengthen that belief that's within us. You know, after all, Lent is a preparation for the season of Easter. And, you know, and in Easter, we say and we believe and we profess that Jesus came to save us despite ourselves. And, you know, we just look to the example of Peter who swears black and blue he's going to defend the Lord and ends up betraying him. You know, so, you know, whereas, you know, you contrast that with the thief on the cross who, you know, ends up being the first person into heaven. And it's just something that we have to prepare for and think about and reflect on. But then the other side of that is also the challenge that's there in terms of, well, what does that mean? If I open myself up, and I came across a great quote during the week. Now, the problem is it's been attributed to Pope Benedict XVI, but I think he was actually quoting John Paul II. And he said, you know, it's a great quote. I'm actually going to read it in full. So just bear with me and just think about it and listen to it for the moment. And it says, are we not perhaps all afraid in some ways? If we let Christ enter fully into our lives, if we open ourselves totally to him, are we not afraid that he might take something away from us? Are we not perhaps afraid to give up something significant, something unique, something that makes life so beautiful? But do we, not, do we then not risk ending up diminished and deprived of our freedom? 
And once again, the Pope says, no. If we let Christ into our lives, we lose nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing of what makes life free, what makes life beautiful, what makes life great. Only in this friendship are the doors of life opened wide. Only in this friendship is the great potential of human existence, what we are truly called to be, truly revealed to us. Only in this acceptance do we truly become the image of God that Genesis tells us that we are. You know, the Pope then goes on to say, only in this friendship do we experience beauty and liberation and freedom. And so today, with great strength and great conviction, on the basis of long personal experience of life, I say to you, dear young people, do not be afraid of Christ. He takes nothing away and he gives you everything. When we give ourselves to him, we receive a hundredfold in return. Open, open wide the doors to Christ and you will find true life. And for me, I think that's going to be my meditatio, my meditation, my lexio over the Lenten season. Because it's a reminder to us that we need to be courageous. And sometimes that's not a very easy thing to do in the lives and in what we lead. And it's something I think, Lorraine, maybe that we could reflect on and focus on, I suppose, uh, over the Linton season. And it also leads me into something else which struck me as well during the week, which was that, you know, sometimes that call of being open and responding is a response to the love of God. And it was interesting, in the National Gallery in Ireland, in Dublin, over the month of January, there was an exhibition of Ireland's favourite painting, which is, of course, the meeting on the turret stairs by Burton. And it's that beautiful, um, iconic image of a woman on the stairs and her lover, her, her, her lover grasping her, uh, her arm as they pass. And it's a very romantic image. And, of course, it's very much based on a um, Nordic, Scandinavian t- tale of star-crossed lovers, a bit, a bit like Romeo and Juliet. But I suppose one of the things that struck me about that painting, and it strikes me every Lent, actually, that I think about it, and it is this idea of it's like the encounter with Christ. And it's the reminder to us that the encounter with the Lord is an encounter of love. You know, as Pope Benedict said, we're called to open wide and our, open wide our hearts. And it's when we do that that we are at most at risk. <clears throat> you know, opening wide our arms, opening wide our heart, it reminds us very much Christ opened his arms on the cross. He opened his arms on the cross to embrace all of creation, to embrace each one of us, to embrace all of the cosmos. And it is that kind of an image that we have to be aware of, because as the painting by Burton reminds us, you know, love is a very fragile thing. And there's a beautiful little part of the painting which some people might not notice, and that is there is a flower on the turret stairs, like a very delicate blossom, which by virtue of falling out of the woman's hands has already broken. Uh, because it's so fragile. And that's, that's almost what love is like in terms of dealing with God. And one of the things that we could reflect on in that time is, of course, the beautiful Song of Songs from Solomon, where, which, is a, which is a love story. And it is, it's an analogy. It is, uh, it is uh, between the love of God and the love that he has for his chosen people and he has for each of us. But what I particularly find about that painting and it's something again that Pope Benedict reminds us is that you know these words and particularly um, you know arise my love my fair one and come away 
you know, it reminds us with remarkable clarity of the heart of the Christian faith, which is that the Christian image of God um, poses a question for us. You know, we have come to know and to believe in the love of God, our God has for us. And that is the question. Do we know of the, have we, do we believe of the love of that God has for each one of us? And for me, I think that is what Lint is about. You know, that painting is about passion, it's about desire, and the question for each one of us this Linton season is where is our passion? Where is our drive and our desire for love? You know, why is it that the Celtic temperament and the drama of Christian love has been subdued within us? You know, particularly in Ireland, where is the energy and the outpouring of desire for the greatness of life? And it goes back again to that idea, you know, we're almost afraid to recognize that I am my beloved's, his desire is for me. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the fields. You know, we have to ask ourselves the questions. Why do we not cry out and ask God to set a seal upon our heart as a seal upon his arm? For love is as strong as death, jealously is cruel as the grave. And again, it goes back, you know, this Linton season, I suppose the thing for us is, do we dare take the risk? Do we dare take the opportunity? Do we dare take the challenge, as Pope Benedict said to us, of opening ourselves up of opening wide the doors to Christ to find true life, and ultimately then the response to that, you know, letting Lent be God's for him to do with us as he wishes. Wow. <laughs> that That is wonderful, Shane, and it's so true. And I think the reason why we have such a difficulty in letting God and letting go is that I suppose our experience of love in this life, unfortunately for many people, is very much of conditional love. I will love you if you jump through ABC. Whereas we just can't get our heads around the unconditional love and mercy that God has for us. Mm -hmm. And so because we've been hurt in this life through many different reasons for whatever they are, and they're personal to each of us, it is very, very hard then sometimes to trust God, to trust Mm -hmm. in that love and in that mercy. And that Mm -hmm. if I lose my job, or if the marriage breaks down, or if there is a serious bereavement in the family that there is some greater plan behind it or there is there is love at the heart of it and maybe maybe that's the challenge for Lent is to as Father Luke said last week to reconnect with God and to make that prayer Lord I believe help my unbelief Mm. it's 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 something I suppose you know Lent is a time for us to remind ourselves of it because, you know, just going back to that painting for a moment, you know, um, God seeks to embrace us. And I think it's an expression, Lorraine, you and I used to use in the program quite a lot. You know, God is very near to us. All we have to do is turn back to him again and mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. That whole call to metanoia. And, you know, it's that expression, that idea, that beautiful concept of, you know, he willing to embrace us gently like a father. You know, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to hear a number of stories or, sorry, accounts from the gospel, and one of them will include the um, the prodigal son. And it's just, again, it's that idea that it's about, it's a gentle, embracing love that is there for mm. us. You know, Lent can be presented, <coughs> excuse me, Lent can be presented as, you know, a harsh penitential season. And in some sense, you know, perhaps we need that harshness to jar us out of the comfort zones that we can be in. 
you know, um, and, and, and for some of us, maybe that's necessary. But also, it's a reminder to us that, you know, particularly I'm conscious of people that are listening this morning that, you know, are stuck at home, cannot get out because of the weather, because it's been horrific for the last couple of weeks, but also those that are stuck because of um, illness in particular. And I suppose it's a reminder to them that they are not forgotten and that they're not alone. And I suppose it's easier said than done in many respects, but it's, it's, it's that reminder that we try to give every Sunday on the program to people that as we delve into the lecture that we do, be it through the gospel or through poetry or through reflections that we do, or encouraging people to do it through, you know, for example, the reflection this morning on that painting, it's the idea to remind people that there are ways to make moments to encounter the divine. Like, we're not all going to have locutions and apparitions. You know, it's, you know, this year is the 160th anniversary of the apparition in Lourdes, for example. We're not all going to be Bernadette Spurs, you know, but each of us in our own time, we have those moments for divine conversation. We have those moments where we encounter the divine in the everyday. The, you know, as someone else said, it's the everyday divine in our lives. And it is that, I suppose, finding the space to recognize those moments of encounter that, I suppose, gives us the hope and consoles us and strengthens us for the journey. Because Lent and life is very much a journey. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a journey through a veil of tears. You know, that's, that's, our, that's our experience of it. It's, it's a journey where things will be tough. It's not going to be simple, because if it was simple, we'd already be in heaven. And, um, you know, life, life, life is a journey. Life and li what can be thrown at you can be difficult. You know, we see much suffering in the world. You know, I'm just thinking this week, the war is still going on in Syria. You know, now Iran and Israel have been mm -hmm. dragged into it. If we look at still what's going on in South Sudan, the largest refugee camp in the world at this moment in time is on the South Sudan-Uganda border, a forgotten, you know, uh, episode in our lives. If we look at what's going on in DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo, where at this moment in time, priests and bishops have actually been arrested because they have been trying to defend their flock from the vagrancies of the government in control. If we look at what's happening in North Korea, if we look at what's happening in Yemen, where children are starving, if you look around the world, the world seems to be a very desperate place at the moment. But the reminder to us always is, it's for those that lived through it at that time, it always looks desperate, but the message and the message for Christians approaching Easter is to not lose hope. Mm -hmm. We have put away the Alleluias for six weeks, but the song that we sing, we are an Easter people, and Alleluia is our song. And that is something that we have to remind ourselves again and again, over life, through life, and in particular during the Lenten season, that we are people of hope, that we are called to be people of hope, we are called to be people of love, and we are called to open wide our hearts to Christ. And on that note, Shane, as you mentioned songs, we're going to go to a piece of music because we need to take another break. We're going to take The Clouds Veil by Father Liam Lawton. So let's have a listen to this. Even Shall fall in sweet 
Welcome back again to Come and See Inspirations, the third third, third part of our program here uh, on Sacred Space each Sunday morning. And Shane, to continue on some of our reflections early on, uh, I know we, we, we spoke about the Gospel, we spoke about Lent, uh, but speaking about Lent, you just reminded us that the Pope also gives us a, a reflection or some thoughts for Lent to take away. Would you mm. like to... Yes, so Pope Francis, um, well, the Pope every year issues a message for the Lenten season. And it is something, I suppose, for us to reflect and to think about as we journey through Lent as well. And this year, the message from Pope Francis has a theme of, because of the increase of iniquity, the love of many will grow cold. And it's it's a challenging enough um, message. Um, Francis can be a bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, apoplectic? Mm-hmm. Uh, ap- apocalyptic, no, sorry, apocalyptic is the word I'm looking for sometimes in the way he approaches things. Um, but he reminds us, I suppose, that in our preparation for Easter, you know, we, we are offered every year this season of Lent as a sacramental sign of our conversion. And it summons us to come back to the Lord wholeheartedly and in every aspect of our life. And I suppose it's the reminder to us, I suppose, that again and again, you know, we need to be aware as we journey through life. Uh, the Pope reminds us not to, to, to be on the lookout for false prophets. And this is something actually which he's picked up quite a bit in the last number of weeks in terms of speeches that he's given, addresses that he's given, his, his, his Angelus address on Sundays as well. You know, we have to be aware of these so-called snake charmers who try to manipulate human emotions. And he's just reminding us that, you know, as God's children, that we are not mesmerized by momentary pleasures and mistaking them for kind of true happiness. Mm-hmm. And it's a good reminder, actually, from Pope Francis, I suppose, just, you know, in this world where there's so much happening in terms of social media and all mm-hmm. the rest of it, just that we need sometimes to turn them off. Mm-hmm. Like, I would suppose, going back to what I was saying, I suppose, Lorraine, in the second part of the program was that, you know, finding those moments to encounter the divine sometimes means we have to make that bit, little bit of an extra effort. And maybe that might be a case of turning off the radio for half an hour or turning off the phone for half an hour or whatever the case might be. Um, like I know myself in the morning that when I get up and after I've listened to the news at the top of the hour, I just turn the radio off because 
well, it's part of my routine to try and wake up and get into the day. I kind of realize I can't deal with too much uh, noise straight away in the day. I have mm. to ease myself into the day. Mm. And I suppose it's, it's something that we need to kind of to, to, to recognize in ourselves. I to create that space. The other thing that the whole idea of false prophets reminds me a little bit about, Shane, especially in kind of social media circles or internet circles, but unfortunately more and more so in mainstream journalism as well, is that whole idea of fake news and who, mm. who do we actually listen to? And when we hear or read something online, do we look at what the facts are behind it? You know, Pope Francis says ABC. Well, did he really mm. say it? And in what context yeah. did he say it? And mm. what were the circumstances? Yeah, it's it's a sad it's a sad reflection, I suppose, on modern media that it's getting to the stage that where you read a story, you actually need to read it a news story, for example. Mm-hmm. You need to read it from three or two or three sources to triangulate the information to get to the root of it, mm. uh, because sometimes it can it can be twisted. But I suppose it's a reminder to us when Pope Francis says that you know Lent is an opportunity for us to seek what he calls the soothing remedy of prayer, almsgiving and fasting. Mm. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's that medicine of truth that's offered to us in the Lenten season. And he says, by devoting more time to prayer, we enable our hearts to root out our secret lies and forms of self-deception, which is not easy, you know. Um, it, it goes back to what we were saying in the second part, that idea of, you know, opening ourselves up it also means having to be honest about ourselves mm-hmm. as well, which isn't, a, it isn't an easy thing to do by any stretch of the imagination, you know. And there's that reminder about almsgiving, and it links back to what Father Luke said last Sunday, where, you know, the traditional three activities of Lent, which is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, are not for our betterment. You're not, you're not, you're not say, putting money aside so that you're going to have a huge party at the end of Easter. <laughs> the idea is that almsgiving sets us free from greed mm-hmm. and helps us to regard our neighbours as our brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. which is why that great tradition of the Trocra box is such a, a good reminder to us, particularly in an Irish context. And it reminds us that what I possess is never mine alone. You know, I think it was St. Ambrose of Milan that said, what we own we have borrowed from the poor. And it's just, it's you know, we have to see how I would like or what Pope Francis says, rather, is I would like to I would like almsgiving to become a genuine style of life for each of us. How I would like us as Christians to follow the example of the apostles and see in the sharing of our possessions a tangible witness of the communion that ours is that is ours in the church. You know, so it's 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 just something which we need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Then the other thing that he he reminds us of is the idea of fasting you know, which weakens our tendency to violence because it disarms us and becomes an important opportunity for growth. And it allows us to experience what the destitute and the starving have to endure. But on the other side, it also expresses our own, if you like, spiritual hunger and thirst for life in God. And there was um, there was an interesting picture online during the week, I don't know if you saw it, of eight novices in the mother house of the Missionaries of Charity in Calcutta. And the Missionaries of Charity in Calcutta, that's Mother Teresa's congregation, and they were in adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. But in the, in the mother house, and I understand it's in all chapels of the Missionaries of Charity, there was a big um, crucifix, cross, uh, painted on the back wall, and under, underneath is written the words, I thirst. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's that reminder to us, it's the words of Christ on the cross, and that we, you know, Mother Teresa had this thing that we should seek to, you know, sate or quench the thirst of Christ, because he's thirsty for truth and justice and freedom and love from each one of us. Mm. Really beautiful, Shane. I came across a Lenten reflection by Father Mike Schmitz. You might know him from YouTube. He has a lot of uh, videos up there by Ascension Press. And he was speaking about, you know, making our prayer, fasting and almsgiving real um, during Lent, not, you know, just giving up sweets because it's Lent or whatever. And what really struck me about the almsgiving part is because he said, really, when we're thinking about giving alms to other people, we should be giving out of our need not out of our surplus. So we don't throw the few coppers into the chokra box. We make a concerted and genuine effort to say, okay, I am setting aside this amount of money, or if we don't have money, because we know that money is tight for a lot of families at the moment, not everybody has recovered from the recession and a lot of people are crippled by debt. Giving aside a certain amount of time every week and committing that, gifting that to the Lord so that he can make use of it. And I think the same can go with the prayer and the fasting. It's not, okay, I'll, I'll just fit in an extra whatever, but to make that genuine time and space for the Lord in our prayer life and in our fasting, whatever form that fasting might take. Unfortunately, we're coming very rapidly to the end of our program, John. We are, unfortunately. Um <laughs> But Shane, I was just going to ask you, we really we've got about 30 seconds, maybe a minute, but uh, maybe a quick comment on what we've heard from Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict XVI, yes. Um, in case people hadn't seen or read about it, um, as you know, Pope Benedict has been in uh, seclusion in a monastery on the grounds of the Vatican, uh, Vatican City State since he stepped down five years ago, actually, this month, John. He stepped down on the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes on the 11th of February 2013. Mm. And the reports this week, he, Pope Benedict had written a personal letter to one of the main Italian papers. And what he spoke about was the fact that basically he's on his last journey. And basically it's an acknowledgement that he is fading. Um, he's 90 years of age and physically he is quite frail. And he's, he's, as he puts it himself, he's on a pilgrimage towards home. And I suppose it's just something for us to remember, I suppose, um, you know, that he, he, he's, just to pray for him, I suppose, you know, he, is, he was a pope, he was one of the great theologians and thinkers of the Catholic Church in the 20th century. And, um, and also, he, he was one of the most, in some ways, forward-thinking popes in many of the things that he did. And I firmly believe that he will be regarded as one of the future doctors of the church myself mm-hmm. in terms of his contribution towards theology and the development of, of a coherent structure and encounter with faith in the modern world. But just uh, that was that was the thing he, he wrote to the paper and he said uh, he's on this is why I, um, he, he's on a pilgrimage. I am on a pilgrimage towards home. It's a great grace for me to be surrounded in this last uh, sometimes a little tiring piece of road by such love and goodness that I could not have imagined. And um, this is why I cannot be grateful, assuring you all of my prayers and best regard, Benedict, uh, Pope Emeritus. Um, so it's just, just something uh, just to remember uh, in our prayer this week. And of course, we, often re- we also remember Pope Francis, uh, who, of course, is <laughs> trying to sail the brack of Peter through very turbulent waters 
at these times. Indeed. Thank you very much, Shane, for your thoughts and for your thought provoking reflections this morning. Unfortunately, as usual, we're out of time. If you have any comments or suggestions about the development of our programme, or if you want to contact us for any reason, you can email John directly at sacredspace102 at gmail.com or you can indeed contact us Limerick 102 FM at 0696 There we go. Uh, our final piece of music this morning is a beautiful piece by Mark Forrest and it's called Stir My Heart. So until next week, God bless. Bye bye. 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 Let your holy fire burn, spark a flame within me, strengthen my desire, may my heart, O Lord, be so So tense.